Hello, my friends. Welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 282 of Sustainable Minimalists, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are discussing the concepts of skimpflation and shrinkflation, as well as how they affect everyday people like you and me. You have definitely felt rising prices at the pump, where the national average for a gallon of gasoline in the United States as of this recording is $4.97. And if you're really observant, you may be witnessing the effects of skimflation in your daily lives, in which you're paying the same money for less product or worse service. In mid-June, the government reported that consumer prices climbed 8.6% over the year through May, and that is the fastest rate of increase in four decades. So I have a three-part show for you today. In part one, we are going back to economics class, oh my goodness, back to high school, with a quick primer. We're talking about what inflation is, how we got here, and we're also in that section in part one of today's show, we're also going to touch on greedflation. Part two is all about skimflation and shrinkflation and what it means for consumers like you and me. And then in part three, I have three action steps for you to not be taken advantage of by mega corporations during this time of major demand, but low supply. So let's get right into part one today. And that is the economics primer back to school. What on earth is inflation? I'm going to keep this very simple, very PG for all of us. But inflation essentially is a loss of purchasing power over time. What does that mean? That means that the dollar that you spend tomorrow will not go as far as it went yesterday. Inflation is typically expressed as an annual change in prices for everyday goods like toilet paper, food, gas, furniture, transportation. Prices cannot keep going up and up and up forever, and that's why periods of inflation often, but not always, end with a recession. And we're going to talk about that at the end of today's show, but keep it in mind. You may be wondering, you may be asking yourself, why now? Why are prices going up and up? Why is my pocketbook so pinched? It all comes back to, you guessed it, supply and demand. There is a strong demand right now, my friends. If you have been in lockdown for 12 or 24 months, you likely have, as many of us have, a pent-up need to spend. (laughs) We stayed home. We didn't buy much. But here in America, we have money and it's burning holes in our pockets. According to the New York Times, it's estimated that American households collectively, so all of us, we have a combined $2.3 trillion of excess savings to help us weather higher rates and prices, but also to entice us to spend, to buy something. So consumers want to spend big at this moment in time. But the problem is there's too few goods. We want goods. We want cars and boats and second homes and new patio furniture and a new grill and everything in between. But there isn't enough of these goods to go around. Why? There were plenty of factory shutdowns during the pandemic. More recently, COVID lockdowns in China have exacerbated supply chain issues. There's also a war in Ukraine. The Russia and Ukraine region 
is important to the world for its supply of wheat and corn and metals and oil and gas and fertilizer. So there are reduced supplies of these commodities and that has driven up prices sharply. It's an interesting moment in time in which consumers, we want to spend, but there's not enough for us to spend our money on. Now, when we talk about inflation, we have to talk about something you may not have learned in your high school economics class, and that is greedflation. Because demand has outstripped the supply of goods, companies have been able to charge more without losing a single customer. Some experts argue that the big corporations are supercharging inflation, so making inflation worse by taking this opportunity to jack up prices and make record profits. Now, I think it's really important to say here that I'm not talking about small businesses here. Many businesses, and particularly small businesses, are struggling to cope with this moment in time, struggling to cope with inflation. They can't find workers. If they find workers, they can't pay those workers the salaries they're demanding. They're also hit with rising costs. So when I talk about greedflation, I'm not talking about the small guys. I'm not talking about the small businesses. I am talking about the mega corporations. So let's back up for a minute. Greedflation is when mega corporations own a gigantic share of the market and jack up prices to increase profits. So here's an example. We'll take soda as an example, okay? In April of 2021, PepsiCo raised their prices and blamed the fact that they had to raise their prices on higher costs for ingredients, for higher transportation costs, higher labor costs. Makes sense, right? Makes sense. But then it recorded $3 billion in operating profits through September. So how did it get away with raising prices and also increasing profits? So the more money that the executives get at the end of the quarter because they did so well, their pockets are getting extra padded. How did they get away with this? Pepsi really only has one major competitor, and that's Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola conveniently also raised their prices around the same time, and Coca-Cola recorded $10 billion in profits in the third quarter of 2021, which, by the way, is up 16% from the previous year. So two mega corporations holding a large, if not the entire share of the cola market raise their prices at the same time. What are cola-loving customers supposed to do? Either go without soda or accept the raised prices and continue on drinking. Here's another example of greedflation. I'm giving this example for the parents out there. When we talk about diapers, let's say, or even toilet paper, there are two mega corporations who own the vast majority of market share. First is Procter & Gamble. I'll refer to Procter & Gamble as P&G. And there's also Kimberly Clark. April 2021, P&G raised their prices on diapers, on toilet paper, on other staples. And they, just like PepsiCo, cited increased costs in raw materials, transportation, etc. Still, just like PepsiCo, Procter & Gamble reported making huge profit that year. Profit. 25% profit margin, to be exact. Now, so you say to yourself, oh, I'm just not going to buy P&G diapers anymore for my little one. Good luck trying to find diapers that aren't owned by a mega corporation like P&G. The other megacore in this 
sector is Kimberly Clark, which again, so conveniently, so coincidentally, also raised their prices at the same time and subsequently reported increased profit. So if it's such a bad time to be a corporation, and if they truly also are getting hit with increased prices, it's natural if you're listening to ask yourself, how are these corporations still bringing in record profit? Profit. You guessed it. They are passing on the buck to consumers like you and me, and they can get away with this for a few reasons. The first reason is that when all prices, so prices for everything is rising, we tend to lose track of how much is reasonable to pay for something. Corporations then can jack up the prices and consumers won't put up a stink, right? There's also the lack of competition, which I alluded to with both my examples, PepsiCo and Procter & Gamble. If the market was actually competitive for soda, was actually competitive for diapers, Corporations would keep those products' prices as low as possible because they want to compete for customers. But here in the United States, most sectors are now dominated by just a handful of mega corporations, and those mega corporations coordinate prices. <laughs> this is true for banks, for pharmaceuticals, for airlines, for soda, you name it. There are a few mega corporations, and they hold the vast majority of the market share. If you've been paying attention, you've likely heard something about gut health and why zoning in on your gut health is so darn important. You need EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. It's a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense because I have a bloating problem, friends. Yes, I do. Inflammation is not my friend. Since taking one capsule a day on an empty stomach with water, I have noticed more energy, improved skin, and here's the big one, reduced bloating. Head to myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and so much more. That's myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. Nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, and that's why I am so excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that offers a full range of products designed to cover all of your garden and lawn needs. In years past, my vegetable garden, I neglected the soil, and I didn't have much yield. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, your garden may not succeed. And so this year, I am so excited to cultivate the soil before planting the plants with Coast of Maine's organic products. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers, so next time you're at your local retailer, look for Coast of Maine products. Get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you, coastofmaine.com. So we're moving on to a type of inflation that you may have experienced in your daily life lately, and that is skimpflation. During times of inflation, brands must choose between 
One of three choices. Passing on their increased expenses to consumers. That's choice one. Choice two is taking a hit to profits. And choice three is replacing parts or services with something cheaper. We can cross off option number two right off the bat. Option two is take a hit to profits. Brands are never gonna take a hit to profits if they don't have to. And raising prices, that was choice one. Raising prices can make consumers angry and turn them away. Enter skimpflation, which is a sneaky and stealthy and ninja-like kind of inflation in which consumers pay the same amount or in some cases, even more for a product or a service that is less than what it used to be. So brands are skimping on their product or their service while also, in some cases, raising prices. The worst part about skimflation, in my humble opinion, is that companies are doing this in the hopes that we, the consumers, are too ignorant to even notice. So the brand gets to continue to enjoy all the benefits that come with having its good name, and it continues to rake in profits, and consumers at the end of the day are the ones looking kind of stupid. So what are some examples of skimflation? All right, here we go, with clothing. Retailers offset higher costs by buying lower quality fabric, manufacture these clothes more cheaply, leave out the lining in the dress or coat. That's skimflation. Skimflation is you order a pizza from a major pizza chain and then it takes a ridiculous amount of time for that pizza to actually get delivered to your doorstep. And then when you get the pizza, it has much fewer peppers and onions on it than it did the last time you ordered from them. That's skimflation. Skimflation is you're flying somewhere and your flight got canceled at the last minute. And when you try to rebook at the airport, there's nobody to talk to to about it because nobody's working the customer service desk. That's skimflation. Skimflation is your toaster is made with cheaper parts and products inside, but you're paying the same amount of money as the toaster with the higher quality parts. Shrinkflation is a type of skimflation. Shrinkflation, I love this word. It is when companies reduce the size or the quantity of their products while charging the same price or in some cases even more. Now here's a great example, General Mills. We all know General Mills, the cereal company. General Mills is responsible for Cheerios and Cocoa Puffs and a lot of household cereal staples. General Mills has recently downsized the contents of its quote, family size box. The family size box used to be 19.3 ounces. It is now, family size is now 18.1 ounces. So there's more than an ounce less in the new family size, but it costs the exact same amount of money. So you used to be paying a certain amount for 19.3 ounces of cereal. Now you're paying that same amount of money, but you're getting less cereal. Shrinkflation happens in restaurants all the time. Let's say you order a sandwich. The food is going to be cut thinly and put on an angle so that it covers more of the plate. Or it happens when you order a... I don't know, piece of fish with some vegetables and the fish is very small, but the plate is overflowing with vegetables, which tends to be cheaper. That's shrinkflation because the size of your fish is smaller. When you start to look for skimflation and shrinkflation in daily life, you can see it everywhere. I just have to say for any 
of you listening who love Reddit as much as I do, there is a subthread in which people document shrinkflation in real time. Some of the ones that made me laugh out loud <laughs> include Lunchables. It's that plastic, I don't know, you send it to school with your kid. It's like lunch in a tray. So Lunchables with one less cracker. I can't even say that without cracking up. It's just so ridiculous. So let's say these Lunchables come with four crackers in good times. Now they're coming. <laughs> now these Lunchables have three crackers. That's shrinkflation. Another example from this sub thread was Crayola colored pencils. So you think you're getting a box of colored pencils, but when you open the box, the colored pencils are half the size than what they used to be, than what you'd expect. Oh my gosh, this is, I'm sorry I'm cracking up, but I can't help it. And then another example too, it goes back to the family size or king size messaging on cereal, king size on chocolate bars. So it says king size on your Hershey chocolate bar, but we've reduced the size. It's actually the same size as the non-king size option. So that's shrinkflation and skimflation, which happen more often in times of inflation. And now I have three quick action steps for you. Uh, spoiler alert here, these are not revolutionary action steps. In fact, I have said at least one of them many times on the podcast. We'll leave that one for last, but let's go. I have three action steps for you. In times of inflation, what can you do so you're not left holding the buck? Action step number one is to pay attention to package size or weight. Don't pay attention to the price. As mentioned previously on this show, price is never a good indication of quality. I should say here too that research consistently finds that consumers are not all that smart. Consumers are actually quite gullible. We are more sensitive to changes in price than we are to changes in quantity. So if a price goes up, we notice and we get mad. But if the price stays the same, but the amount of product is less, many consumers, most consumers won't notice. Companies have known this for years, and that's why they practice skimflation. Because again, they can make their money without angering or even perhaps losing customers. I should say that my generation, in my opinion, my generation is really bad at paying attention to package size, especially when it comes to buying food at the grocery store. My mother, my mother-in-law, they can tell you exactly how much a box of cereal should cost. They can tell you exactly how much is too much to pay for a carton of blueberries. And because they know what the right price should be, what the average price is, they then also know when the price is higher than it should be. So for you and I, if we don't know what things generally cost, then how can we, how are we supposed to know when things cost too much? How can we make informed decisions without having a baseline from which to operate? So at the grocery store, it's not about throwing food into our carts and getting done with the errand of grocery shopping as fast as possible. It's about slowing down when we buy food, looking at the price, yes, but more importantly, it's about looking at the price in relation to the size or the weight of the product. So that's tip one. Pay attention to package size or weight. Pay less attention to the price. Price is variable. Tip number two is to contact the brands you love when you spy them shrinking or skimping. The only way 
things will change for us as consumers, the only way things will change in our favor, I should say, is if we lean into the power of consumer demand. And we do that by forcing companies to right-size their products. So use your voice. All of us collectively, we need to use our voice. So contact the brands you love when you see this happening. Tip number three for you is bringing you right back around to the number one tenet of minimalist living is that is, of course, to buy less. It is a seller's market right now. There's a lot of money moving around in the economy. There are many willing buyers for stuff, but there's not a lot of supply. If the money moving around is high, but production has not increased, it stands to reason then that you will get less for your money. Sellers have the power right now. Buyers like you and I, we do not. It is not a good time to make a big purchase. It is not a good time to make a medium-sized purchase. It is a great time to wait. Now, I know there are some things in life that we simply must buy, like perhaps diapers or like perhaps toilet paper. And so I'm not talking about those items. I am, however, talking about the big purchases that perhaps you could wait a while before you buy. Because remember, this is a seller's market, not a buyer's market. Remember what I said at the beginning of this episode, which is that periods of inflation often, but not always, end with a period of a recession. Part of being a conscious consumer is knowing when to wait, when to hold them. (laughs) And now the final word for today's show is wait to make those big purchases. So before we say goodbye today, we do have a quick eco tip and it comes from Lucy. Lucy, listen to my episode. It was number 279. It was about SLS. If you missed it, take a listen. I did mention in that episode that Molly Suds is a great SLS free brand, but it comes in plastic packaging. Lucy wanted me to tell all of you that there are a lot of refill stores that carry Molly Suds, so no plastic packaging involved. So an SLS free product, no packaging whatsoever. Shout out to the Good Fill and Sage Refill Market in Nashville. That's where Lucy gets her Molly Suds. But the point here, the eco tip here is if you are fortunate enough to live within an appropriate distance to a refill store, check it out. They may offer Molly Suds package free. And if they don't, perhaps you can call the nearest one and ask if they will ship you Molly Suds in a paper bag that's recyclable instead of the plastic bag. So thank you so much, Lucy. Listeners, I will see you on Thursday for your regularly scheduled interview. Reach out if you need me and take care. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.